Welcome to another episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. This week we sat down with Josh Kirshner. He's a writer, an outdoorsman, and an avid bow hunter. We got to talk about things like traveling across the country, hunting different types of deer, and even bow hunting in the backcountry. We had a great time talking to Josh, and I think you'll enjoy this episode. But before we do, we'd like to thank a few of our sponsors. First up is First Light. For whitetail hunters like us, the mid to late season, or the rut, can be miserable if we don't have the right clothing. New to 2019, the Solitude System from First Light is the perfect insulated soft shell clothing system for tree, saddle, and tree stand hunters like us. Whether worn on their own or combined together, the Solitude Kit offers versatility for the whitetail hunter. One of the things we like best about this system is the kit link pass-through pocket. Basically, you put the jacket on, you can zip these pockets down, and you can actually reach into the Bibbs fleece line chest muff pocket to warm your hands up and access all the items you've got stored in there. To learn more about First Light's new Solitude system, head over to their website, firstlight.com. Thanks. Well, That's hey, Josh, awesome. it's good to talk to you, man. You know, I've been, we've been messaging a bunch, but finally good to, to connect. Yeah, absolutely. So, James and Jared, who, yep. who is who? This is James. And this is Jared. James. All righty. James and Jared, nice yep. to digitally meet you. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know, we've been following you, reading some of your articles for Go Hunt, following your social media, and figured, hey, man, we got to have you on the podcast. I know you're coming out of Arizona, so de- definitely different yeah, area man. than us, but probably super, super interesting, at least from, you know, all the things that you've been posting and stuff. Oh, well, appreciate you following the stuff and reading the articles and stuff like that. Glad to, glad to chat, man. Yeah, well, let's just dive right in. Tell us a little bit about who you are and, and where you came from. So, my name is Josh. I was born in New Mexico. But I don't remember that portion of my life. Sure. But then I lived in, in New York for eight years in Queens, just the furthest thing from a mountain right. that you mm-hmm. could get. I always had these books that my dad, my dad was a hunter before I, I was born. So, I'd always like, kind of like fantasize about these adventures you know what i mean like when i was a kid and then we learned uh, i learned that we were going to move to arizona when i was nine i was like holy crap i'm gonna actually we're gonna actually like get to see stuff like this you know like i I had never right i had never seen a like a wild deer you know what i mean i had never seen seen a mountain before anything like that so when we came out here uh my world just exploded exploded mm-hmm. you know like i i remember i went on my first my dad got drawn for deer the first year we moved here and then being super scared you know what i mean like right. it was the first time i ever camped and my dad brought me out showed me some mule deer and i've just been you know i remember that seeing my first deer and stuff and that's just kind of like what kind of started everything for me right you know? mm-hmm. every every year after that i was you know the hunting thing was kind of like this it just annual type of deal right. you know what i mean like it was like the year your camp you know what i mean it never really exceeded uh past that right once i got into my mid-20s i like i was and i really want to like learn how to do this because like i mean selfishly like we were never successful it was more of a just a kind of an spending time camping yep trip. yeah exactly yeah exactly so like i, I kind of like oh yeah a tag i know that i knew that intimately before i ever feel the tag <laughs> right so your move from from new york to arizona tell me what wh- why did you uh was it like a family job thing or, or what, what happened it was it was a family thing new york is a kind of a <laughs> my dad grew up in new york new york's kind of a rough place yeah and they you know they they didn't want to raise me in, the, in that environment sure you know what i mean so, yep. so my mom had some family now out in arizona and they're like oh you know i think that's probably going to be the best thing for josh bring him up in the desert out there right mm-hmm. that's, so that's why that's what we did <laughs> that's, so 
That's yeah, crazy. I've lived here uh, ever since. I've, I'm 33 now. So. Okay. Yeah, I, I had lived. So as a kid, I lived in New Jersey for a couple years. Um, my dad's a pastor and had a church in like uh, the right outside of uh, New York City. And then actually later on, I graduated from college. I went to law school right back in that almost same neighborhood. And so I've lived kind of in that that area. And I'm I can say that when I was there, it made me miss the woods so much. Mm-hmm. Like when I came back, I was like, you had all this pent up demand for uh, for like, oh, yeah. the woods. And so I got out there and I was like, I hunted way more when I came back. That's that's funny. My my wife, she always she always tells me like, oh yeah, I want to go to New York someday. I'm like, there's no reason. Like, don't there's you're, you're not missing that money. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean there's I mean it's there's good stuff there. Mm-hmm. I like to visit the city and stuff occasionally. Sure. I got to go there for work, but it's we got just, good pizza. It's oh man, and they've got Bear Burger, great burger place. They have they like they have there that I go that, for a bit. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, that 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 right there, the P word, that's the one thing that I wish was yep. here. Is there's not was, pizza in Arizona? Is that is that not known for its oh, pizza? Two maybe well, tombstone well, pizza. Not yeah, right. Like Arizona some... Arizona is not known for, for its pizza. <laughs> we got some good pizza. There's a guy here that actually he came from Brooklyn. Okay. And he's legit, man. And his stuff is the closest stuff that I've found out in the state to New York pizza. But I mean, it just can't. New York, it is not touch like the, the most pristine yeah. pizza there is. All right. How old were you when you moved away from New York? Uh, I was nine. Yeah. So you probably remember the good pizza, and you were able to compare oh, it. Yeah. Oh heck yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. There's. I, I I noticed from a young age there was a stark difference. In the food. What is this <laughs> swill? This baked swill. I like to I mean. call myself a pizza connoisseur. Are you? Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm just very picky about. I'm not picky about pizza, but I enjoy a well-made pizza. What? What? When you're talking? <laughs> when you're talking? Pizza, <laughs> not to go on a rant here, but no. I, I that actually, I've got a question about that. Are you a New York style? Are you a Chicago style, like deep dish New York thin, or is that that Detroit style? You know that curled up crust, or are you frozen pizza? No, style? I'll go with I'll go with the first choice that popped in my head, and that was Chicago style. Oh man, Chicago yeah. deep dish can't go wrong. No, Chicago pizza and oven grinders—that is one of the best places, arguably. But where, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. a I'm a New York style myself. Are you I just can't thinner crust? That. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah. like so. Chicago is almost like a it's like lasagna. Yeah, with a crust. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you got to fold it in half. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's greasy. You eat it really with a fork, unless you're an animal. Me, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> I've never heard it described like that as lasagna. <laughs> That's the way I always thought of Thin it. It's crust like because I like a good crust. I don't know. I think I I'm, I waffle a little bit. When it come, I waffle when it comes to pizza. You I put go waffle some, on your pizza. On, a, on occasion, I go thin. On occasion, I'll go deep. All right. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> But it is kind of it's kind of interesting on how when people grow up in different communities and yeah. different terrains and different locations, their ability to enjoy their surroundings is much more different than the other people right. in a different geological location. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like if you had never moved out to Arizona, you'd have never gone hunting. You've never seen a wild mule deer. Yeah. You would have never gone camping. You know, you're able to just enjoy so much more. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right, man. I, I probably, I mean, I, who knows, maybe hunting would have found me. I definitely wouldn't have had the exposure that I did. You'd be hunting you know, the cat skills out there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, probably. Jared, did you ever read the book yeah. My Side of the Mountain? No. 
Have you ever read it, Josh? I, I, yeah, I think I have, man. Yeah. So now I'm the odd that, man out. He, you got to read that book. I read it in school. This kid goes out to to the Catskills. He reads Thoreau or something, whatever, and he decides he needs to go out. He gets a he catches like a falcon, calls it fright. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Fright. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I remember as a kid just thinking that is that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna run away. He lived in the the hollow of a tree. Mm. And he yep. just survived out there. I've read Hatchet. Yeah, super cool. Hatchet's good. Hatchet's another Hatchet's good. Gary Paulson. Mm. He came to my school when I was a kid once and spoke to our. Uh, Don't our lie auditorium. to the audience. No, I'm, it's, I'm for true. It happened. <laughs> he was he was pretty sweet. He like and then we had yeah he was a big in a uh, sled dog so he came and then we had sled dogs teams come pretty sweet. <laughs> so Josh, you moved to Arizona age nine and you just fell in love with hunting when, when did you start doing what you're doing now and actually for people listening you know you want to just give us some background of who you are and kind of what you do intro intro a little bit yeah so i so nowadays i do a lot of freelance writing okay. within the outdoor industry lots of gear reviews and just kind of like hunting talk about hunting philosophy and right. all different avenues of the hunting world i got into that because i started a blog mm-hmm. probably five or six years ago, I believe. And it was just, it was literally me documenting my, like learning how to hunt, like my journey into like the depths of hunting. Like I just, I was like, I'm going to do this. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, the, that blog I still write for is called yeah. Dialed in Hunter. Yep. And it's just, that's what it's done, man. It's just kind of like all the gear that I've used, all the like failures. I, I talk about all of it and put it all on the table. Like when I shoot a spike, right. you know, I think there's a lot of controversy around that and i think it's kind of stupid why is that why do i think it's stupid no no why first of all why is it controversial and then yeah well then mm-hmm. why is it stupid look, look i had look, look i had someone message me the other day i'm not gonna name any names or anything like that but i had somebody message me the other day complaining about an animal that i put up on my instagram profile that a friend shot all right okay it was my buddy's first ever of that species right okay and the guy messaged me and he says Hey, don't 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 you think we should police our own and kind of like step in the way and and kind of you know keep people from shooting smaller animals? Really? And I was like, yeah, I swear, I swear, yeah, I could like literally send you the message. Oh on man! Instagram. <laughs> so like, I was like, yes and no. Right. You know, like like basically what I got, I I told the guy was, who am I to stand in the way of that dude filling his first tag? Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like he, he put in all this work beforehand. He put went through all of the motion and made a fantastic shot. The animal was dead in, like, five seconds. Right. Okay? Just, like, dropped immediately. Goes down. Gets this whole really compelling experience of skinning and packing the meat. Learning and, so much in, the whole yeah, way. Right. In the dark, being in this nasty country. What he got out of that was so much bigger than the animal that oh, he yeah. took. Yep. You know, you know, like now he's hooked for life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which I think is, imp- I think that's important. You know, like people like complain about, oh yeah, you know, hunter numbers are dropping and stuff like that. Right. Hunter recruitment's important. You, you ever take a kid fishing and he doesn't catch anything? Then he doesn't want to go again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. They lose interest pretty quick. You know what I mean? So like that positive reinforcement, even whether it's a spike buck or a 150-inch buck, that is important, you know, and I think people shooting a small animal like that for their first animal, you know what, man, like, that's their right. Sure. Okay, and I think it's going to make them appreciate in the future how hard it really is to shoot, like, big stuff. Right. You know, and and just, just, 
and not just that, but appreciate the, all of the inner workings of hunting. Well, and the beauty of hunting is you're out there and you get to decide, and it's your choice. And I'm not; it's not like a uh, you know moral t- moral relativism or anything. It's just you're right. out there. You this is your right to hunt. You get to choose right. what you want. And you know what? That mm-hmm. guy, it's his first hunt. He put a lot of work into it. You know, it's mm-hmm. a rewarding experience. The size of the antlers, the age of the animal, isn't always the most important. No, but part I feel like hunt. a lot. A lot of the times nowadays, it is. Right. There's so much pressure to shooting that big antlered yeah. buck that yeah, shooting and, a small one is completely frowned upon. Right. And which is which is sad, right? You know, I think, you, you know, it makes you question. You ever ask yourself the question, would it be that way if it wasn't for social media? Right, right, you, right. You know, like there's so many people. And for the for the people that are just starting out, social media is kind of it's kind of overwhelming, right? Like oh, you, yeah. you go on there and all you see is these giant deer and these giant bears and stuff that these people shooting and you kind of get this thing in your head. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I got to do. Right? right. And then, you, and then you get out there and you realize you don't, um, you don't know, excuse my language, but you don't know your ass from your elbow. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know it's true, man. And, and, you, and you're, there's another w- reason right there why somebody might even quit. It's because right. they get out there and it's like, well, I can't do this. You know, I can't do this. You know? Well, and it's like you said, With, I mean, if you want hunting numbers to grow, social media is almost hurting it because you, you see all these. I mean, there, I'm sure there's a lot of ways in which it helps, but mm-hmm. I mean, it hurts it yeah. by, by the things like exactly like you're saying. And, and people are even we, we do it quite a bit. You look to social media to get advice and tips yeah. when you're trying to learn something new. You know, Jared and I have been messing with saddle hunting this year mm-hmm. a lot of the information we got was from social media and so mm-hmm. the message that you're putting out there is so critical for for someone that's that's just starting out absolutely yeah yeah it, it, it is kind of sad i mean it is what it is you know social media i think social media is great yeah oh yeah uh, i think it's a, I, th- I think it's a fantastic platform for i mean you and i wouldn't be sitting here talking if it exactly wasn't mm-hmm. you know like i think it's a great way for people to connect it but i think you know there is a kind of a learning curve to the kind of social world that it in within the hunting community you know and like yeah. when someone's just starting out i think they kind of got to work that out in their head to be like you know what man like like i'm gonna shoot that's it that's exactly like, go ahead you know, oh, I was going to say, like, they'll get that whole experience of going through all the motions of doing everything and then bringing it home and, and eating it for the first time, yep. like that feeling. I, I remember that the first time I ever did that, you know, and like, I was like, man, this is, I just want to do this. Like, this is like the best. I feel so cool. Right oh, now. yeah. You know, they, they, it like, feels you feel right. So, like, it's a, very satisfying. You, you feel yeah. so accomplished. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I, the, the first animal I ever, did, big game animal I ever did that with was a mountain lion. And mm-hmm. when I drove away and I started driving home, that feeling right there, man, like that was the one of the most accomplished I, uh, times I've ever had in my life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like how, like how I felt right there, and I was like, I need more of that. Yeah, I just so that that was that was five or five or six years ago or whatever, and I just been like chasing that like ever since, you know. (laughs) Yep, I mean that's that. Yeah, that's I mean that's kind of the why of why you hunt, and there's a lot of people with different, you know, viewpoints Mm -hmm. and and, like reasons for why they hunt. But you know, it all goes to when you're looking at you, for example, your social media. I mean, it goes to what you you work to do really well, which was just conveying good information for people who are trying to learn more, right? And and so you write. 
for your blog, you're right. I, I think I've seen you a lot at Go Hunt too. Is that right? Yeah, I, I do a whole bunch for Go Hunt. I, I do uh, stuff for Gear Junkie. I just started working with them. Oh, cool. Bear Hunting Magazine, Bow Hunting World Magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I write I write as much as I can for as many as many outlets as I can. And the whole reason I started the whole writing thing was, like I said, I wanted to document my journey. But on top of that, the reason I, the, another reason I started was because of what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Man, it was hard finding information as a newbie. Right. Absolutely. You know, like because and rightfully so, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people are super tight lipped. Right. And they don't like give up their honey hole. And it's like, man, I'm not, you know, I'm not asking, you know, to give up your honey hole. I'm just kind of asking for some, some, some guidance. Right. You know, in the right direction. You know, you don't got to tell me what road to drive down, okay? But, like, what does deer eat this time of year? You know, just, like, stuff like that, like, general stuff. Yep. And finding stuff like that was hard, man. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to – maybe if I, like, document this, maybe it will help other people just getting into it because it's coming from a newbie's perspective. Yep. Exactly. Like, you know, learning like, with so you. All the qu- right, exactly. So, like, all the questions – I'm sure that all the questions that I had when I was first jumping into this, like, that's all the questions that these people have. Exactly. You know, they're like these little baby questions that I think a lot of us in the hunting world, as we, as you grow as a hunter, you become complacent with these things. Yeah. And, and you don't even think about them, and it's just like common sense for you. It's common sense for you to use the wind to right. walk in a certain area a certain way. That's not common sense for somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. But before we move on, I wanted to take a minute to thank one of our show sponsors, Pelican Coolers. These coolers are extremely tough and backed by a lifetime warranty. But what I like most about our coolers is that as tough as they are, they can be opened with the push of a button. So it'll keep the bears out, but you won't have any trouble getting in. And it gets even better. Right now, if you type in pelicancoolers.com slash hotboga, you'll get a free tumbler with the purchase of any cooler. And we all use the uh, 32-ounce tumbler, and it does an amazing job at keeping hot drinks hot for a very long time and cold drinks cold for a very long time. I'm going to do something maybe a bit unusual or something that I haven't done yet, but I'm going to throw out a James D. Guarantee, which is something I don't just toss around willy-nilly. I'm going to James D. Guarantee that if you buy one of these coolers, you'll have the best cooler experience you've ever had, and you'll be changed as a person for the better. Your life will be totally different from here on out. So don't take my word for it. Go check them out for yourself, pelicancoolers.com slash hotboga. And now, back to our show. Yeah, and it's it's a, it's a good it's a good segue into what I want to talk to you about because you know like you mentioned it's it's harder for for new people to sometimes find the information that they want. So a lot of our listeners are whitetail hunters, right? And I know you haven't done much whitetail hunting yet, but I feel like yeah, um, zero you go, rewind <laughs> zero. <laughs> I mean, hey, even, freeze, sir. I've never, I've never even seen a a whitetail deer. Like, oh, are like, you kidding me? It's time to have them out. No, I, I, I look. I'm, I, I'm open to it. Okay, I really want to do a whitetail hunt. Uh, but yeah, that's the truth, man. The closest I've seen to a whitetail is, is our coos deer down here in Arizona. Oh, that's like a smaller version. They're more totally like different. Yeah. Uh, no, it's. Yeah. But I think though that, and you know, I kind of want to walk you through this or ask you some questions because, you know, I think whether you're back country, country hunting whitetails or back country hunting, you know, coos deer. 
I mean, yeah, there's a difference in terrain and, and you know, mm-hmm. pro- probably one is seen as more extreme, but there still are, are some basic like tenets of gear best practices and, you know, the mental side best practices that mm-hmm. span across all types of hunting. So starting with gear, you know, say, say our, one of our listeners is a, um, is going on a first backcountry like whitetail hunt or, or maybe out, out West. What are some mm-hmm. things that you think, no matter what you are, who you are, what you're doing, you should always consider when you're, when you're packing for it? There's a couple items that are, now when someone's diving into all this, this stuff is see very quickly. Like when you're like sifting through online stores and stuff, looking yeah. at like sleeping bags and everything, this stuff adds up. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not cheap. Yep. And so you, so you kind of got to pick out areas of importance where you want to put your money first. Right. And then over the years, you know, you'll like, you'll gain this piece of gear and this piece of gear. But the, I feel like one of those items is your boots. You, you don't want to skimp ever on your boots. Yeah. Okay. I've literally walked out like my soul off of my boot before, you yeah. know, and, and like your hunt's done at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. That not to mention if the boot doesn't fit you. Right. right? Rubbing you wrong. So, you're in trouble. Exactly. So, on top of not skimping on boots, when you do get those boots, you need to be freaking wearing them months before the, beforehand, right. hiking on a trail, hiking around a park, whatever you got to do to break these things in. Because once you get out in the mountains, things are a little bit different when it comes to like, like stuff isn't flat. Okay? Right. <laughs> like, so your foot's getting thrown left and right, up and down, all over the place, and there's tension being put on areas of your foot that aren't used to tension and right. it's gonna get beat up a little bit to be honest so so having a good pair of boots is absolutely uh, essential they, those are your tires of the backcountry and the next item uh, it, that i would uh, really focus on is a backpack that is okay. your mobile apartment okay like everything that you need to survive back there is on your back and that is the gateway of getting meat back to your truck as well Yep. You know, so having a backpack, I, I went through the whole, like, you know, trying to cheap out on packs. Right. I had packs with, with just 20 pounds in it. I would put it on and my hips were just like, oh, they kill. Right yep. Backpack hunting is as hard enough as it is. <laughs> like lots of dudes get mm-hmm. sent back to the truck after yep. a day or two because it's, it's just, it's just a different type of hunting, you know, it's not for everyone. So little things like that enough to set you off right it's like it's the cherry on top of a crappy situation exactly yeah you and know, it just so, makes it brutal with a with a hurt yeah. hurting feet and a and hurting uh hurting back yeah i mean you're yeah. just not in a good place no absolutely not and then and then and then you know once you do find a backpack that you, you uh sit in that you really need to learn how to put that thing on yeah like there, there is a way to put a backpack on. Yes, there is. Yep. It doesn't matter. I, I don't care if you spend eight hundred dollars on a backpack. Just because you spend eight hundred dollars on a backpack doesn't mean it's going to work right. What's your preferred okay? way of like, mounting up? There, so what I do is, you want to do your waist belt first. Put your hip bone in between, in the center of the waist belt. Okay, get that tight because that's where you want most of your weight. Yep. All right. You don't you don't want a whole bunch of weight on your shoulders. Then from there, I'll do the sternum strap. Kind of get that set to the width of how you want your shoulder straps, which is which is entirely uh, personal. Right. Like if you want it tight, cool. If you want it wider, that's it's totally up to you. Then I'll do the shoulder straps, tighten those down, not super snug. 
okay, just until I can feel them, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then pull on your load lifters and don't yank on those things either. Like just until you can feel the tension of the load lifters. And what's even more important before you do all this is you need to make sure everything's loose. Yep. You need to make sure all the strap, like loosen your load lifters, loosen your shoulder straps, loosen that stuff because then the pack is going to kind of conform to your body yeah. as you go through this process. There's a lot of people out there, man. Like, and and like, I won't name any names, but quote unquote professionals that you see that you see on TV and stuff that are wearing their backpacks wrong. Right, right. And and I think that that's kind of man. It's like you, it it kind of frustrates me a little bit because it kind of sends a wrong message. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so like some some kid that's watching that, like, oh yeah, so and so does this. This is how he does it. Right. <laughs> and they're just like taking in the wrong information, you know. And then pretty soon they can't move their freaking neck. Yeah, but he's you on know? TV. <laughs> like, he must be here's, right. Here's the thing. Anybody watch listening, go with what Josh does, not with whatever Jared and I do. I'm a professional. <laughs> I, I, I know how to put up. I was gonna on. say, you know, I do everything you've described has made has validated the things that I've done. So just keep talking and making me feel good about my mm-hmm. myself on this one. Those are the those are the two big ones, man. Um, yeah. Probably your next thing is that I wouldn't skimp on would be your clothing. Keep it smite. You can get away with anything. Right. Okay. There there was guys that were backpack hunting before any of this cool gear was invented. Right. Exactly. And they yep. were way they were way tougher than you and I were. <laughs> That's okay. Right. Like, Especially tougher than right, Jared. Were, <laughs> I'm a wet they, sock they sometimes. Stuff, they were doing <laughs> they were doing this stuff in jeans. Finals, right. You know what I mean? But the next item, it would be your your your, uh, your layering system. You know, people, I find it funny when people gripe about, and all this comes down to money. Okay? Right. People, people gripe about how, oh, I don't want to spend, you know, $200 on a pair of pants or whatever like that, but then they'll go spend $1,500 on their bow. <laughs> right, that exactly. They, that they probably won't shoot once during the hunt. Exactly. The thing that you're using most is your clothes. You know, I'm kind of seeing a trend right. here that money management should probably be at the top. Yeah. It is. It is. It yeah. is. Like, and that's, you know, that's something that I learned, you know, when I was younger, man, I was like, I had the issue of having too many hobbies. Right. And my money was going to this and this and this and this and this, you know, and I only had so much for this. And pretty soon I was like, man, you know, this is just kind of getting frustrating. You know what I mean? Like, I really want to do this over here. And if I stop doing this thing over here, I'll be able to do this. You can focus someplace else. Right, exactly. Like, so something funny I tell people is like, you know, some guys, you know, some people, their thing is football or working on cars or whatever. Like my thing is bow hunting. Right. I love backcountry bow hunting. Like I'm, it's what I think about every single day. Yeah. You know, so it is about prioritizing. If you want to make something happen, make it happen. It's like going on your first out of state hunt. Exactly. Yep. All you got it, to, it's just a decision. Yeah. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. like the hardest part is pulling the trigger. Just like make it happen. Exactly. You know I mean? Just, totally just commit to it. Totally just do it. Commit to it. You know, you know, it's for, for like the guys listening right now that maybe whitetail hunt and think, oh, you know, I don't need to know about how to load a pack. You know, there's not that many backcountry options out there. First of all, you, you do need to learn how to load a pack. Mm-hmm. Jared and I both throw our tree stands out, bring our, our tree stands out when we're hunting public land on packs, right? And so if you load that thing right, it feels like nothing's on your back. If you load it right mm-hmm. and you're out there with a de- with your animal, you can load everything back in mm-hmm. a trip with a good pack if you get a whitetail and, you know, bone it out and everything. So, first of all, there is that. And second of all, there are a ton of backcountry whitetail hunts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I told you this, Jared. I was looking. Every year, they uh, you're able to enter in to be drawn to hunt North Manitou Island. Oh, and yeah. Have yeah, you yeah. heard about this hunt? 
I haven't heard about the hunt, but I know yeah, where North Manitou. It's off Sleeping Bear Dunes, Giant um, Island. Where is it located? For North e- West Mich- uh, Michigan, like right by the Pinky Finger. Yeah. So if you're looking at your right hand, up on the top yeah. of the Pinky Finger, your right hand palm up. Yep, palm up. Yep. You they drop you off. It's a week hunt, and you backcountry hunt this this island for an entire week, and then they come pick you up again. It's a hundred bucks for the boat ticket. There's some good bucks out there. And a lot of times the weather, you know, it's Lake Michigan during November can get super rough. Mm -hmm. So quite often, like, they can't come and pick you up for a day or two. Sometimes it gets delayed because of the weather. I think right now in Lake Superior, I think this coming, maybe it's this weekend, they're supposed to be 20, I think they said 27-foot waves. Yeah, I mean, it's the gales of November. You heard the song. Yeah, everybody knows the song, right? But my point is, like, this is as true in Michigan. That's a Michigan hunt. As it would be, say, for coos deer out in Arizona. Man, that's pretty cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I was looking that up. I kind of want to do that hunt. There's Only, a lot of hunts that I want to do. It's like, <laughs> Again, it comes back to money management and, and time. how much <laughs> I'm willing to spend. $25, <laughs> I think it was, or 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. 25 to 50 bucks. For, we're, I think one of these years we got to do that. I'm in. They do, it's like an October rifle hunt, too. You can bring a rifle out there. Oh, man, that's cool. Man, there, that, is a, that is another issue, isn't it? It's just like time. Yeah. Time's a big one, you know. Like having having the time to do this stuff, and I feel like I feel like all of us in today's world, nobody has time to do anything. But I feel like you have a little bit more time than you think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. You know what I mean? I feel like that's that's entirely mental. One of the reasons I think it, it, you know, we get in this like rut of thinking we have no time is because we are creatures of habit. Yeah. And like we're so used to doing a set a certain set of things throughout the day, those things are almost irremovable. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So then all of a sudden, oh, I don't have time to do stuff. You know. So. <laughs> yeah, and well, but, if something's I mean, important can... to you, you make time for it. Yes, you do. Like exactly. If you really yeah. want to be in shape, and you say, I don't have time to work out. You wake you up just early. wake up early or stay up later. Yes. You know? Right. Well, there's yeah, even there's absolutely. even studies out there and actual software on most of our phones right now that'll tell us how much screen time we're actually using right. through the day. Oh, yeah. I, hate, I turn that off because I don't want to know. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, I'm pretty sure on average people are on social media three hours a day. Throughout the entire 24 hours of the day. Yeah. Three hours a day. You're cutting that in half. You have a whole hour and a half in your day to do blogging. Right. You can read yep. a book. Mm-hmm. You can do some push-ups. You can do an, yeah, a whole oh, exercise. Just read a book. If you do an hour and a half at workout every day, it's not going to be long and you're going to be jacked. Do some boga. Do some and, boga in the day. And, yo, and check this out. It, the same thing goes for your money. Right. Yep. Okay. So if you just don't say go out to dinner two times during the week and you only go out to dinner once you are all all of a sudden maybe if you're spending $25 a week you know on a dinner yeah. if you multiply that by 4 you're at 100 bucks yep. if you multiply that by 12 now you're at 1200 bucks and that is enough money to pull at, pull off an out of state and all kinds of oh, absolutely oh, yes. yep yeah yep you're you going know, like to you Idaho make, or something and, yeah yeah Oh yeah, you can you can make it happen, and it doesn't sound like a lot, right? Oh yeah, twenty five bucks. You know what I mean? But like that adds up over a year. That's how I went on my first elk hunt out of state. Mm-hmm. Was I yep. like literally? I saved up a hundred bucks a month and made. I was like, I'm just gonna do that. I'm just gonna make this happen. It's like like I feel like a lot of people romanticize. I didn't want to be those, pe- yeah. mm-hmm. those people. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. As much as I'd want to go on an out out of state elk hunt, I still feel and hear Dave Ramsey in my ear saying. 
pay down debt with that money. Yeah, well, yeah, that's you know true. what I mean. Uncle, yeah, law Uncle school Dave. is killing me. <laughs> and Dave Ramsey's got a good point. Yeah, no, that's a that's. But you know, <laughs> for guys like me with you know crippling student debt, like I said before, there you can still do really amazing in-state hunts that are equally yeah. as intense. That's why I say like for fifty bucks you can apply and like most people that apply get drawn for that Manitou hunt, right? That's a four hour drive north. That's mm-hmm. not that much money and you get the backcountry experience. So whoever's listening to this, you know, I can't speak for every state, but these kind of experiences are pretty accessible. Even if you can't put a, even if you can't put us aside a hundred bucks a month that like you, you right. can still have these kind of fun adventures. Well, we're even doing the out of state yeah. whitetail hunt. Yeah. You know, we're going to the driftless area in uh, Wisconsin. Yep. And we're able to do it for what? Under it was two fifty. Our, our our tags, since it's our first time hunting in Wisconsin, your first time hunter, you get half off. Your tag is basically half off. So Man. we spent mm-hmm. eighty bucks for a tag, an out of state in Wisconsin. We're gonna do a backcountry hunt there. That is gonna be amazing. I mean, it's the driftless area. Look up pictures of what that looks like. It's incredible, and it's very accessible. Yeah. So the can you explain, Jimmy, what the driftless area actually is? Yeah. So if, a lot of people know of it probably from Aldo Leopold wrote and live there at, like in his later years. But the Driftless area is part of the Midwest where the glaciers didn't come through. Because, you know, you look at the Great Lakes, you look at Michigan's landscape, it's basically created by glaciers. Now, this is a part of Wisconsin, Illinois, I want to say South Dakota, whatever those states are. Oh, the, Nebraska, one of them. Yeah. Um, Geography. Th- where they're not, where they haven't been touched. They have really cool cliffs and amazing uh, streams and stuff. They look it's just a very mm-hmm. unique place, especially for the Midwest. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, Jared, the point being, these are all very accessible. I mean, if you're trying to save money, but you want to go financially, on financially, doable financially. Yeah. I think, like I, like we said, trip involved, stay, logistics, everything. I'm guessing under two fifty. Yep. It's out there. Yeah, you can, you do, can it, do it. But like we're saying, you just got to commit and you got to go do it. Yeah. It's easy. Yep. Josh, when you're packing for these trips, what's like the one piece of gear that no matter where you go, you're taking? You know, I know you you can't list boots, pack, or uh, or you know, like clothing generally. What what's the one specific item? Man, I don't I don't go anywhere without my binoculars, man. Mm. You have to be backcountry focused or not. It's just like that is yeah. Like aside from your first aid kit, you know, like that's like a no brainer. You know what I mean? So is your bow or whatever. Like of course you're gonna have that with you. But right. I live and die behind my binoculars. The glass. Like that is how. Yeah, that is how. We do it down here in Arizona. So binoculars, spotting scope on a tripod, that is how I find animals. So yeah, right. That, that that would have to be it. There's a there's a slew of other things that I just really appreciate in my backpack, but, All right. <laughs> but I had to pick. All right, Josh. So what I'm about to ask you is a little bit of a podcast favorite. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, we it's been dead. The question has been dead for quite some time, but I'm going to resurrect it just for you. It is... What is the most useless item in your pack? Useless. Useless. Yes. Useless. Yes. That you, should, you, that you take with. You shouldn't really is, like. This This is useless. It's not providing any. any there's no benefit. meaning to it. It is, man. It's not useless, but I just don't use it. But for some reason, I, I always carry it with me. And that's a bunch of, I have a bunch of paracord in my kill kit. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. and I'm like oh, yeah, I'm going to use this to hang up quarters or whatever. I never <laughs> ever use the paracord. I use the I hang I hang the meat by the game bag. I still have five hundred feet of paracord. Just, just in there. It's kind of funny. I don't carry it anymore, but um, I I so I I use a I carry a sidearm on my backpack. Yeah, all yeah. Time. I used to carry another like a speed loader. Okay. <laughs> with more with more bullets. 
in it. Okay? You're just ready to fight. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, dude, I was like, I was like, man, like, just in case, like, a zombie apocalypse or something like that, You're you ready. know? Like, and I was like, I'm, I'm leaving this at home. Bullets are freaking heavy, man. You know? like, <laughs> all right. A whole slew of bears come hey. after you, man. You're, you're yeah, super ready. exactly. So, no, that, that's not in the pack anymore, but it used to be. <laughs> you know what I found in mine that I forgot about that I never use, and it has no weight? Box of mints. No, I don't take box of, mint, box of mints. It's uh, these little clips that have, like, reflective. It's, like, oh, orange, yeah. and you can reflect them. And I always think I'm bringing these things, so when I shoot something, I'm going to put that where I shot my arrow, and I'm going to hang mm-hmm. it at last blood. I got a couple of them. And I realized this year I've had them for years, and I just never use them when that time comes. You're talking, you talking the clips that people use to walk out to their tree stand at yeah, night and yeah. flash it with their flashlight? Exactly. Okay. I w- and I was going to have those for, like, when I'm blood trailing. And I just never, there you go. I just never have used it. Got to shoot more deer, man. I got to, sh- or I just, you know what? I'm too lethal. I don't need to track that far. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you see what I got to deal with. So that was a good question. I'm glad you brought that back. You know what? It was time, and I felt like Josh was the guy to to handle it. So that worked. We hear a lot of fire starters. Like a lot of people say, "Oh, my fire starter." Yeah. Or oh, one guy said, "One guy said his compass." He didn't. Yeah, that's right. Because he just uses his phone all the time. I was gonna say that's that's been kind of mine lately. My GPS, I just I have it, but I almost never like I usually forget to turn it on. Oh yeah, that's another one. Some people say like their phone is their most useless thing. Like they just want to disconnect while they're out there. They don't want to deal with any of the. But if you do that, how do you capture society? Huh? Yeah. How are you gonna get it for Grant, man? Uh, Hire a camera guy. So last gear question for you. When you think about the topic of gear in backcountry hunting, what is the biggest lesson you can recall that just sticks out in your mind that you learned in the backcountry about gear? A hundred percent. Like you, you need to use this stuff before you, you head out. Test it mm-hmm. out. Like you need to, like for a shelter, for instance. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> set, that sucker, set, set that sucker up in your backyard so you actually know how to set it up because if you're hiking in somewhere, you're five, six miles in, and then a hailstorm comes in, and you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs because you don't know how to set up your <laughs> right. freaking shelter. Oh, that's a bad like, night. Life is, yeah, that's not going to be fun. Another thing is, you know, like for stoves, like make sure these stoves work. I've never bought, I've never had one that hasn't worked, but I've heard stories of like, oh, yeah, I got this stove back there, and it was a lemon. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, okay, well, now what are you going to have for dinner or whatever? So I feel like um, mine is a lemon. You see, it just, I got... No, you're just terrible at it. I, let me try yours. I will show you. I can start it right up. Mine, I feel like I got a pump. Like, the pump broke once, so I had to get another pump. Because I get, what is that, an MSR we have? Mm-hmm. I think we have the same one. And it just, it doesn't really pump enough pressure. Don't make that motion. I'm making a pumping motion. Nice. <laughs> I'm miming, really. Okay. And so, yeah, that that's a that's a good thing to, to keep in mind, because... Speaking of stuff, let me down. Well, I guess we'll admit it, but for the little... For the first couple of times we took out our backcountry teepee, yeah. it has a wood stove with a chimney that yeah. goes up through the middle. I guess I didn't know it either, but the chimney needs to go on the opposite side of the opening of that wood stove oh, yeah. to draw air in and then up through the chimney. Yeah. <laughs> the way we had it originally, yeah. the chimney was right up near the front, and it, we just kept getting smoked out. We're like, this thing sucks. Yeah, this is stinky. This is terrible. Yeah, I can't yeah. live a whole week like this. And then finally, when we switched it we around, switched it was it just around. everything worked so much better. Never loved fire so much. Ah, man, that is true. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome, man. That, I, I've never had the luxury of uh, sleeping in a shelter with a with a stove in it. And then again, I live in the desert, so I, I was gonna say uh, I'm not really. Hey, you guys get a yeah, different I mean, kind of cold though. Yeah. When at night, it gets it gets like a dry cold. Over here, it's like a 
wet, cold, yeah, but like sweaty, wet, snowy, cold. I yeah. mean, we were able. I to, mean, we were able to take the teepee out in the polar vortex that went through last year. Yeah. So negative twelve yeah. outside. That we're camping. I don't even know how that feels. Yeah. I can't even imagine what that feels like. I'll tell you what, if you're going hunting, which is what we were doing, nothing moves. Nothing moves. We could not we were small game hunting and we could not find <laughs> couldn't find anything. So, we went up for the scenery. Scenery and the beers. But to go off that with the in the stove, I don't think it got below sixty degrees in there. No. I mean you had to really work to, to keep it fed. Maybe at the lowest at night if we let it go out is thirty. Yeah, Eight. it drops pretty quick. <laughs> it dropped quick. Never mind, that dropped pretty quick. Yeah. But once you get it going, <laughs> it's livable. Yeah. Like, oh, it's yeah. very comfortable. Yeah. Nice. So. Yeah, I've toyed with the idea of getting getting something like that for the future, just mm-hmm. for out-of-state stuff. But, I mean, it seems like just an absolute game-changer for cold weather. Oh, yeah. and you cook on it. Right. And and at night, you sit around it, and you just kind of chill. Yeah, it's but kinda... the good thing was is we were able to set it up Actually, here at uh, James's house, oh, yeah. we set it up right outside in the snow. In the snow, made sure we were able to set it up correctly, besides the wood yep. stove. Yep. And then we we're able to take it back down into its original size too, because that's another big thing that kind of is one of my pet peeves. Yep. Oh, is yeah. not being able to roll everything back up and fit it back into its original container. I hear this a lot. Whether it's a bag, a box, yep, anything. If you can't get it back in there because you're just rushing or you don't know how to get back in. Like to me, that's kind of a problem because you don't know how to operate. The gear. I, f- I feel like one of your, I mean, that's one of your main things, putting stuff away. Like very, like your cords are wrapped neat, well, organized. If camp ain't, it's nice, nice to have a Jared around. I'll say that. Hey, I don't mind it. it. Sucks being around. This <laughs> <laughs> Dude, no, I, I'm so glad you brought that up. I, you know, people might laugh if, when they see me open up a shelter for the first time because I'm like, I do, I, I unfold it one time and I'm like, okay, that's how it. That's how that goes, and then right. I do it again, and I and I and I open it piece by piece so mm-hmm. I can remember like exactly how they put it back in. Because even if you do that, man, you're never gonna get it in there how they do it. No, it's not. I don't, no. know. I don't know how they. There's like a it's like a professional packer. I know or something that like folding that does these shelters, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's an associate's degree you get in. But to at least have some sort of organization going, like packing back up. Yeah. It'll just set yourself back, set yourself back up for when you take it back out again. Right. Exactly. Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. So, Josh, now moving on, it go obviously backcountry hunting goes well beyond like gear, right? A lot yeah, of it yeah. depends on your, you know, what's going on in your head. Like before, it's the strategy, and during, it's like how do you get through the hunt? Because sometimes, especially if you're doing it alone, it it can really wear on you. What what's uh, oh, yeah. when you're looking at it? How do you approach it first off from a strategy standpoint? So. Do you go into the plan? Are you are you mapping it out online? What are you what are you doing? I like to have like a I like to have a soft plan. Yep. You know because st- sometimes stuff just changes. You know what I mean? Like like bear hunting, for instance. Like say in the springtime, I do a lot of backpack hunting during the spring. If I get back to an area and there's no food, like bear hunting's all about finding food. And there's, yep. there's no food, they're not going to be there. If I get back there and there's no food, there's probably not a real good reason for me to stay in that particular spot. Right. So I have to kind of be willing to move if need be. You know what I mean? Yep. Be Mm -hmm. kind of Um, like flexible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Same thing goes, can go for deer hunting too, man. Like some things are just different. Like you might, Oh yeah. Last year there was 15 bucks rutting all around this basin this year there. I don't see anything. 
you know so like you got to be like willing to like move and stuff and to go and try to find the animals as far as the mental side of everything that is something that i truly believe is is learned over over time i can't really tell someone how to go into something mentally right what what helps in my opinion is having a plan so you don't feel like you're kind of just walking around like a chicken with his head cut off and you feel like yeah uh, you you because that demoralizes you like crazy when you feel like we've had it's like i've got i don't even know what i'm supposed to be doing right now right exactly and then you're like why why am i even doing this you know what i mean it feels like a waste of time and you're yeah exactly Right. But if you have like a loose agenda, you know, to be like, okay, if I'm going to go here, if I don't see anything, I'm going to bomb over this way, check this out, then check this out. It kind of like gives you something to look forward to a little bit rather than just, I'm just going to walk into this willy nilly. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's, that's, that's me at least. But the whole like mental toughness thing, you know, like how it wears on you. I got, I, I got to be honest. I, I give it up to you, to guys like you that that hunt in tree stands and stuff, and and can just sit there, you know, and just not move and just sit there all day, like that. I admire yeah. that. It's um, uh, because it is a mental grind. It is, it is a different type of and it's cold grind. and you're uncomfortable and you're just the whole time you're like just sit down, stay sitting down, sit down, you know, don't right. move, don't move <laughs> the whole time. Right. With the backcountry thing, it's more of a Oh, yeah, I got to get up this morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like you are, you're, you're just beaten every day, especially elk hunting. Like elk hunting, high country country mule deer hunting, you're sitting and doing a lot of glassing. Right. You might move around a little bit, like changing vantage points and stuff, but for the most part, you're, you're sitting there just scanning hillsides with your Bernard. Yeah. You are just moving all (laughs) <laughs> like you know? up and down covered bases you know you just walking all over the place um and that wears on you that you that know? elk and, walking and, around it as you know i've had it the last two years i went to colorado and it's i mean especially when you're walking around you're walking around you're tired and in the back of your mind it's like i didn't find a single elk track yesterday and now i have to go right. walk and do and like you get to some of those hills and you're like I, it does i know it's not that big of a hill but it's gonna suck to walk all the way yep. to the top what what people need to realize though throughout this whole process is it is a process right okay and i think that you need to i just wrote about this recently like you need to you need to trust the process it doesn't i don't care if you haven't seen anything for five days you stick to this process yep that you put together script yep and and you 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 are eventually you're going to find success and of course there's a bunch of nuances throughout that process right like yep whether you're elk hunting, depending on the, your exact actions that are more specified towards whatever species you're hunting, but there is a process nonetheless. And if you deviate from that, I feel you're kind of starting back at square one, right. which might make you feel good, which might make you feel good at the time because it's different. But man, dude, if you stick with it, like just this past year, back in January, my brother and I backpacked into an area for. I think we were back there for six or seven days and just getting blown left and right from meal deer. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> are like, just totally not, no arrows were fired on that hunt. You know, my brother killed a javelina, so that was cool. But like, yeah, right. Like no deer died on that hunt. And we're, we're coming up on the last day and we're like, you know what, let's uh, pop smoke and go over to this other area 
and check that out because there are some other hunters that moved into where we were hunting originally. We go over there and I'm like, man, I just don't feel confident about this spot, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, let's, let's get out of here and go somewhere else. And then all of a sudden I look down and a deer, a deer is standing yeah. across right. the canyon. I'm yep. like, oh, yeah, okay, let's watch for a little bit. And then all of a sudden I go stalk this deer. I get to like 140. He never sees me, but he just happened to rut his does away from me. Right. Okay. And then, so I back out and I'm like, I, I thought it was over. And they just went up on this little bench and started, and he was rutting his does up on this bench when they were feeding. I'm like, man, I'm going to make another run. At yeah. Him. You know, screw this. I went back over there and I ended up shooting that deer at 60 yards. Nice. So it was like, that was the last day. Like, yep. Yeah. You stuck with <laughs> it. I didn't even get to full draw before that point. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so things can change in a hurry and that's really hard to remember when you are your legs are so freaking sore every single morning you know like it hurts putting your boots on because like you're having to like lean over you know? right like, yep exactly because your whole body's just blasted but man if you stick with it like it's gonna pay off right right it, it, what is that saying you miss a hundred percent of the opportunities that you don't take. that's wayne gretzky and then you know, famously re-said by Michael Scott in the office, and he writes yes. it on the board. It says, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Michael Scott, and then below it in parentheses, Wayne Gretzky. Oh, dude. <laughs> Total nuts about the office. I but, love the office, um, man. <laughs> they, uh, they, dude, they're getting rid of it on Netflix. It kind I know. Of it gets going to NBC TV, which I'll probably never subscribe to. No. Anyways, but it's the truth. Yeah. yeah. That saying is the truth. Like, so if you, like, if you go home, you never knew what could have been. Right. You could have been you know? that and, close. And I guarantee you, when you're driving away, you're going to regret driving away. Like, when you get back to the oh, truck yeah. and, you start dri- and when you start driving home, you're going to be like, eh. You know, like, some things feel like it's, it's worse than it really is in, in, the, in the moment. Right. But, like, I feel like if you take if you, you know, you just like, okay, let me take a breath here and yep. just really things probably are pretty good well and sometimes you know I mean? <laughs> and sometimes in that moment it actually helps to give you yourself a little bit like all right you know what i'm, I'm down give myself a take five type situation yeah it's like just recoup, even, group. even take a day yeah like if you're on a if you're on a backpack hunt like a 10-day hunt and you just like grinded it out for five days there's nothing wrong with yeah. taking the morning off and just hanging out and yep. eating some breakfast and just relaxing Yep. Just if kind of that's BSing what it's going to take, yep. if that's what it's going to take to reset you mentally, then, then do it. Yeah. You know yep. what I mean? There's nothing that says you can't. So, yeah. Yeah, you just got to stick with it, man. The whole the mental thing is largely learned, in my opinion. And I think, I think it's learned after you go through a set of experiences yeah. that teach you, oh, man. It does. It will work out if I stick with if it. If I just keep doing it. it's You know, everything in life, though, is really a numbers game, right? So if you yeah. do it long enough and you know you're doing pretty much the right thing, eventually it will work, you know, whether exactly. it's the first time out or whether you're two years in. You know, for me, my I didn't want to shoot anything under an A point when I was starting out. I was like, this is something I really – just a goal, right? I shot some does mm-hmm. and stuff, mm-hmm. and it took me years before I saw the buck that I wanted to shoot. I mean, many times we could – Jared has been with me where we had mm-hmm. little bucks or whatever. And, again, going back to our conversation, like, you can shoot whatever you want. It was just a personal right. goal I set. And after I, – I kept telling myself it's just a numbers game. And, like, even at some point, a buck will be stupid enough to walk in front of you, you know, or just the mm-hmm. stars will randomly align. Even if it's total blind luck, eventually something good will happen. So just keep just keep moving forward. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not looking, if you're not in the woods, you're not going to see what's, what's standing there. Yeah. And plus half the time when you're out, so many other cool things happen. You know, you're seeing, oh, yeah. you see amazing things in in nature if you just hang out in it for a long time. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just to, to wrap the mental side up, I want to bring up a scenario. Say you're out on a high country mule deer hunt, uh, right? You, you stalk, you're 80 yards away, you move in, you get into, you know, 40 yards or, or whatever. You take a shot and you mm-hmm. sail it over its back. And you're, it's your third day hunting. You sail one, they take off. And, you know, you basically are distraught. Like, how, how do you recover from a situation like that, a miss like that, especially after, you know, you put in a lot of days to get to that point? I feel like you're in my head. Yeah. Like, that situation that you just said literally almost to a T happened to me this past September. Really? Yeah. So, so here's what happened <laughs> to me, though. It was the second day. Okay. And I get to 39, not 40. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> 39 yards, buck walks out beneath me. I draw my bow back and my arrow screeches across my rest. Oh. Okay. I make that big threat. You know, the stock was perfect. Arrow screeches across the rest and the both those bucks, there's two bucks there. They go running out. You know what I mean? Yep. And just out of my life. Yep. And, and so, yep. you know, you know what, man? I, I think that's really all about perspective. Because me personally, when I walked, when I walked away from that, uh, I, I walked, I walked back to my glassing knob with a off your ear because i was like man dude just hmm. that was so cool <laughs> yeah like it's like you did it like you did everything right except one stupid thing yep exactly you know kept kept me from like if my air my arrow didn't screech i would have mm-hmm. killed that would have been a no dead doubt, you know you yeah. know what i mean so yeah. but i have missed a ton in the past on on other animals i just wanted to tell that story real quick yeah, yeah, yeah. you you literally like almost <laughs> nailed it to the wall like yeah. that was so funny the biggest grind that i've ever had uh, for me on a hunt was uh, an elk hunt i did here in arizona a couple years back so first i hit a limb 50 yard shot on a bull arrow deflected that I missed that bull totally. And then a couple of days later, I hit a bull at 65, hit him high in the shoulder blade. Yep. I, lost, I lost the bull. Okay. I cracked that ball the next day and I lost that bull. After that, I, I, I determined, you might get some people that naysay me for this, but it, to each their own. I truly believed that that bull didn't die. Like right. just based yep. on just based on what I was seeing. So I, I elected to keep hunting. If I believed, which is this is something that I've done that that uh, I've done, my friends have done in the past. If we believe that animal is dead, I'm done. That's just kind of right. how yep. that's just kind of how we we do things. But th- how, what I was seeing, I believed he was dead. My my main goal with that, I was trying to you know hopefully you, you like get the back of your head. You're always hoping you find them dead. But I was really just trying to like get maybe I can get another shot on them, you know, through the tracking right. process. Yep. I find them bedded, but. It just didn't happen. That evening, I missed five times on a bull, and you want to talk about feeling pretty low, dude? Holy cow! Like mm-hmm. that—that that was. I literally had no arrows left. Oh. Like I had my, <laughs> my brother. My brother had to give me arrows and and broadheads oh. just because. Like he brought he brought his bow with him just to shoot in camp. Like he didn't right. have a tag or anything. Yeah, I was pretty down, man. And the thing that you need to remember when you're doing this stuff is, I don't want to sound harsh, but you should fail. Like, like the odds are against you. Right. Okay. Yep. It, you're going into their house, like it's their world. Like if you're hunting elk, like you're hunting elk, they know that those mountains better than you'll ever know them in your entire life. Yep. Yeah. Right? To get mad about 
not succeeding, it kind of is silly. Yeah, right. A it's point. a little arrogant almost you know I mean? in a way. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But we, we, we are all like, there's all in all of this, there's a little bit, uh, there's a little bit of selfishness. Yeah. You know, like, like we want, like we want to be, we want to have those grip and grin photos. Absolutely. Yep. You know what I mean? We want to have all that meat in the freezer. Like th- those are all things we want. And there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. But when push comes to shove, and you really get down to the nitty gritty of things, being out there and missing is a privilege. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I think I feel like when you realize that, you're gonna, you're gonna be like, okay, well, you know, shake it off. You know, just on to the next one. Let's go find another one. Yep. You know what I mean? Like that's that's kind of how you you have to. I feel that you got to approach that. Is the the quicker you can shake that off and move on. And just forget about it. The quicker you're going to get over that situation. If everything was was right, like your bow, like there wasn't a malfunction, there's no reason that you can't go out and just fill your tag. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, because something that I have to constantly remind myself of is, you guys bow hunt. You know what I mean? Like, yep. you guys are probably used to failing. Absolutely, okay? it happens like, all the time. Failing is is like a way bigger part of bow hunting than succeeding is. <laughs> so, oh yeah, it's so, it's a majority of it, you know. Uh, for, especially yeah. for the beginner, like just get used to it. Exactly. Yeah, just getting out there and learning from your mistakes. Yeah. Right, and not, and not just completely shaking stuff off. Like, learn. Okay, what did I do wrong? Okay, cool. Let's learn. Like, on to the next one. Like, when you fail, that's an opportunity for you to get better. It's a great experience. Yeah. Most, almost always, it, unless you're you're wasting it. Like, failure is the best. Right. Failure is the best teacher. Yep. Absolutely. That that it, that that will teach you more than a book or podcast will ever teach yep. you. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I love reading and watching videos and, and taking in all this content. My dad. You know, he, so my dad grew up in New York. Yep. One of my dad's hobbies was fighting. I mean, that's just how things were. <laughs> right. Okay. Like back then, like it was, you know what I mean? Like that's what they liked to do. They just would okay? fight. Yep. Something that he told me when I was a kid was, he was like, okay, he was like, you can read all the karate books that you want. The only thing is that everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> right. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. um, it's, it's the same thing with hunting. You know, it, it, it like, Experience and being out there and failing is going to teach you more than more than any any content can teach you. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an important. That's that's like experience. It's huge. I mean, and that goes back to a tangent there, man. I, I, <laughs> well, no, no, it's. I mean, that's for that kind of experience is both for gear and for you know kind of the mental fortitude of being out there. Both of them kind of. I mean, at the end of the day, experience is going to be your best. You know, your best teacher. And you need to remember. Like especially, this is this might be a little bit harder for somebody that hasn't actually been successful yet. But if you have been successful, you need to remember it's like okay, I know how to do. This. Right, exactly. Right, exactly. Like remember you, who you are. You know, you yep. just have to take action and mm-hmm. do it. Yep. So well, Josh, we're running up on time here. We really appreciate you coming on. We're gonna have to have you back because we've got a bunch of things we'd love to talk with you about. So if you're interested, we we'd love to have you back sometime. Oh, absolutely, man. I really appreciate you guys having me on. I'm always always stoked to chat, chat about bow hunting. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Where, where can people find you, your writing, your you know, your blog, and everything else? Yeah, so if you want to check out my website, it's uh, dialedinhunter.com. Yep. And then I'm on all the social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, you just got to search Dialed In Hunter. Sweet. And like I said earlier, I do a bunch of writing for Go Hunt, Bear Hunting Mag, Bow Hunting World, 
like you, you can i'm usually floating around quite a bit out there with articles and stuff so <laughs> awesome well hey man thanks again for coming on and yeah, everybody thanks, check them out all right thanks guys Hey everybody, thanks again for taking a listen to this episode. Head on over to our Instagram page to stay up to date on everything that we're doing. If you're feeling squirrely, go smash that subscribe button on wherever you're listening to this podcast. We and, appreciate it. And tell your friends that we are Hot Hot Boga. Boga. Hot Boga Hunting.com.